Are you willing to follow God wherever he leads? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth Live is the monthly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Welcome to all who have joined us for this Face the Truth Live event. We have people attending this event in person in the Fellowship Hall of the Truth Church and people who are joining online. We thank you for your attendance at this live monthly event. Those of you who are joining us live will notice that the setting is a little different but the voices will still be the same. The podcast listeners cannot see, but I'm joining the Face the Truth Live event remotely. To help provide an explanation of this change, I will turn it over to Bishop Riggin. Bishop, would you like to enlighten and share some of the information? Absolutely. And it is so good to hear the golden voice of Pentecost again. <laughs> Um, it's raspy. It's hoarse. <laughs> hey, that's the way it's supposed to be on a Sunday night after church. <laughs> if, if, if your yes, voice sir. was relaxed and rested, I'd be really concerned about what's going on in Jackson, Tennessee right now. <laughs> we'll lay those concerns aside. We're praying with sinners in the altar is a beautiful evening all day long with both, both services the same way. That's wonderful. I'm so thrilled to hear it. To those that are joining Face the Truth, um, to our local folks, they're familiar with what's going on and why Brother Goff is having to join us remotely. But to the rest of our listeners, um, we want to kind of fill you in that there is a change that has taken place since our last Face the Truth Live episode. And we're going to spend some time tonight talking about what brought that change about and how all of this happened. And um, so our announcer who has been announcing for us now for, I don't even know how long it's been. I, I know we started Face the Truth as a daily podcast uh, during yeah. COVID. That would have been in 2020, I think. Um, was it 2020 or 2021? I don't know. 20. 2020. Uh, and it was a way to try to stay in touch with the local members of our congregation because uh, we had chosen to um, not be fully open. We never completely shut down, but we weren't fully open either. And we didn't do that because we felt forced by the government. We did it because... We were concerned for the health of our members, and we made that choice willingly. In Kansas, we had a lot of options, things we could have done, uh, the government would have allowed us to do, but we felt that in the interest and safety of especially our elders, that we just didn't want to take a chance. COVID was a new thing. We didn't know what was going on with it. Uh, certainly sounded scary, and there were many, many people that died from it. And so we started this podcast just as a way that I could stay in touch with our local people. And it was a daily thing. Every day I was producing it. I was editing it. I was writing it, 
recording it, uh, <laughs> introducing it, closing it out. It was a one-man show. And that yeah. went on for a good while. And then when finally everything opened back up, uh, I told the church, I said, you know, it has taken so much of my time every day. I don't remember now how many hours a day I spent trying to get about a 20-minute podcast together. But it was a lot of time. And so we started talking about just making a change. And we went from a daily podcast to a weekly podcast. And... Uh, again, I produced that for a while and, and did it, but somewhere along the way, we decided we have this, as I say, golden voice, <laughs> and we really need to incorporate that golden voice. We also have talent as far as uh, the IT side of things and handling the recording, and, the, and, and, and so I handed some of that off. Uh, to Brother Hilton, handed some off to Brother Goff, and then uh, along the way, we ended up making some further changes where it was no longer just the lection, uh, the, the um, not lection, but the, the um, I wasn't lecturing. It was not a lecture type of podcast anymore, but we went to more of a question and answer format, and Brother Goff, Brother Hilton would come to my house, and we'd record it sitting around my dining room table and uh, we would usually do two or three episodes and then work on editing those and getting those uploaded but brother Goff was there from from the very early days uh as our announcer and and has just he's got such a unique voice and does such a great job brother Goff has been just a blessing to the truth church in in many more ways those of you that are just listeners to the podcast have no clue how much Brother Goff and his family did for the Truth Church for a number of years. They carried a very, very heavy load. His wife was in charge of our music. Um, his, his kids were involved in many, many ways. And there was just a lot of things that they did for us that we really grew to love and appreciate. And Brother Goff was, was content doing just that, which is one of the things that I appreciate about him. He was not a man that was looking for opportunities. Uh, he wasn't trying to find some way that he could get ahead or get a leg up or whatever uh, the terminology is. But he was content serving his pastor, working in the local church, and whatever God had for him, he was happy to do that without feeling frustrated, without feeling like, you know, he just wasn't accomplishing enough. Somewhere along the way, and, and I, I don't want to tell the whole story. This is why we've got him here tonight, because we want him to tell the story. But somewhere along the way, and I think it's probably been um, a year and a half ago or so, during one of our conferences, I had already started to feel that God was getting ready to bring a change about in the golf's life. I didn't want it. It's not something I was hoping for because I depended on them so much. But, but in prayer, as I prayed for them, for their family, I just started feeling like God's about to do something for them. Something's going to happen. I don't know what. Uh, and then... If I remember right, I think he came to me and, and 
um, talked about it. Or if not, I don't know. I don't remember. And I'll let him tell all this. I'm just trying to lay the groundwork. But at some point in one of our conferences, Brother Chris Moore, who pastors in Yukon, Oklahoma, uh, was preaching away and turned around and looked at Brother Goff and said, God's getting ready to open a door for you, which was a confirmation to me for what I was already feeling. And um, this was just out of the clear blue, it seemed, that, that he would say that. I certainly had not said anything to Brother Moore. Brother Goff had not said anything, but Brother Moore felt this in a time of anointing and inspiration. And so we knew. We knew that God was getting ready to do something. So, Brother Goff, that's kind of my introduction to it all. If I've, you know, I am an old man, so I do sometimes become <laughs> forgetful. Um, but if, if I've left out a detail or two, feel free to set the record straight. But I want to hear it from you because this, I want, first of all, our church people to know the amazing story of how you ended up where you are and what took place and how God has just been in this and God's been working all of this. It, it's an amazing testimony of the hand of God and it's, it's a testimony to when one of his servants remains faithful how God steps in and takes care of them. And, and that's what he's done. And the story's not over. It's still being uh, written. And things are still being uh, fulfilled. And, and there are still, I feel very strongly, there are still miracles that are going to take place as this thing continues to unfold. It's just really in the beginning stages right now. Um, in fact, we'll probably talk about it a little later on, but the installation service is, is still a few weeks out. So this is all fresh. This is something that's just transpired within a, the last few weeks. And, um, so brother Goff, with all that said, uh, clear up anything I left out or any mistakes that I made, please feel free to straighten the story out and tell it from the beginning, from your perspective. I sure will. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity. It's, um, when I received the, the topic for this week's Face the Truth Live, my heart sunk. Uh, who likes to talk about themselves? And then how do you intro and write everything when you're talking about yourself? And uh, I definitely don't like doing that. And, uh, but I am, because of everything you've said, Bishop, I do believe God deserves the glory. And um, I don't deserve any of the... Um, accolades or anything I haven't arrived you know so I do appreciate this opportunity and I'll take us back to the first part of the year um, before we go further back and I do want to be careful I know a lot of content goes out public and so this is a this is a more than just sitting around the fireside chat with like church family and uh, I do love and appreciate them and um, so I'll go back a few months to the first part of the year and the plans began to unfold as I was contacted, and uh, I was at work, working away, and Bishop says, do you have a second? And uh, during the day, that's just not a normal thing. And so I knew that um, whether I had a second or not, we're going to have a second. And so I broke away from work, called him, he's like, I got something for you out of left field. And uh, he goes, I apologize for, uh, you know, calling you cold on this. He goes, but there's something that I've been contacted about an opportunity and I think it's something they want to just entertain, don't know all the details. And so that 
began that first part. And really, it was just a, there may be an opportunity. Um, there was some level of excitement, obviously. And I'll tell you this, it's because years before, um, I had gone to Bishop and said, listen, I feel like, you know, there's something more there. Um, I'm totally content uh, being where I'm at. And, and the only way I can explain it is it just felt like the sweet spot. Not, not that everything I did was perfect, but it felt right doing it. It felt right holding up the hands of Bishop. It felt right laboring with the ministry of the church, of the true church. It just felt like I couldn't be in a better place. And there were struggles financially, spiritually, family, life. It just happened, but it felt right. It felt like if anything was to go wrong, everything's going to be all right. And I felt like that is the only way I can describe being in the will of God. And so that started to shift and change. And I went and talked to Bishop. I said, I just feel like something's changing. I need your help. I don't want to step outside of his will. What I'm experiencing is what I desire. I've been out of the will of God. I don't want to be out of the will of God. And, um, and as we would have services, and I'll, I'll maybe make a few comments later about this, but as we'd have services, messages would get preached, and it just solidified it more and more. It wasn't an abrupt thing. And I can tell you this, it wasn't because I had a beef with someone, an issue with something that was preached. It was stirring deep within my heart. And um, it took a lot for me to go to Bishop and say, I feel like God's wanting to do something different. Um, and so it was a big thing. Uh, it was something he said, oh, I'll help you pray about it, and we'll see how it goes. And there would be things that would pop into my head, you know, maybe someone mentioned something to me. Nope, it's not the right thing. It doesn't feel right. Just leave it alone. And so I never pursued anything. I never tried to, um, how should I say, I didn't try to market myself. I didn't try to make connections. I felt like even at this point, I'm like the least connected preacher in Pentecost because I did not pursue some of the typical avenues that some would to try to get themselves, get their name out there. And to be honest, I, you know, I didn't even like having my name on the, the sermons on the website. I just didn't want my name out there. Uh, um, not that I was ashamed. It's just that it's just not me. Um, and so I just really was totally content to just labor and grow and see my family saved, and just do what we can to, you know, help the kingdom move forward. And so before that groundwork, let me say it this way, before long, it became evident that God was really working. And I had that conversation uh, with Bishop, but long before the conversation about coming to Jackson, there were things that had to happen within me. So before I get to where I'm at today, I feel like it's appropriate to you understand kind of my thinking. I've, I've been a lifelong Kansas City native, lived here, born here, worked here, families here. I was planning to die in Kansas City. My parents are here. Um, they raised me here. My apostolic roots begin in Kansas City. My grandparents are buried in Kansas City. Most of my family is located in Kansas City. And then God gave us this beautiful, thriving church family for Sister Goff and I to raise our family. And it just felt absolutely, as I said before, right. It was perfect. Not that there was no problems. It's just, it was the right thing for us to be. And so 
I've described my mindset of being content where God has placed me. And so a lot has transpired in my life to get me, you know, where I am today. And when I say where I am today, I guess I don't want to speak of, of it as a pinnacle, an accomplishment. I speak of it as a willingness to go wherever God wants to send me. So it's not an arrival, but it was a surrender. And we've had years of being around, you know, the Truth Church, I think, Bishop, we've been around the church there probably going on 14 years. But I can tell you, I haven't given 14 years worth of labor. But there was something that changed in me that says, we're going to finish this strong. We're going to turn this around. And it was a, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll preach wherever you want me to preach. I committed to God those remaining years of my life. I'm all in. It's everything. No time for drama. No getting caught up in the cares of this life. No, my focus was kingdom. And I'm all in. None of which, I didn't have a focus that, you know, was maybe down the road, I'll get something from this. I'll benefit from this. It was, I'm laying it all on the line and whatever it takes, I'll pay the price. And there were powerful church services that got me to where I was able to be usable. There were, we went for, like you said, the lockdown services, remote services, where you're preaching your guts out to an empty sanctuary. And if you have pride, that'll mess with you. But if you're willing to give it all and say, no matter what it is, I'm preaching, God gave me the message, and that's just what it took. And so, and I'll, I'll say a few more things and that were on my mind because I know we had some times where we had revivals. We had Brother Savala, we had Brother Waldrop, we had Brother Herring. Those services changed me. And it, the preaching of Bishop all along the time, all along the way, it changed me. And I know it cost us a lot for services. When I say revival services, we're talking months on end. And I know it cost a lot of money to do that and a lot of sacrifice. But it, for me personally, I'm forever indebted to every dollar spent for those revival services. And for the time that when we've been, you know, four years back at the Truth Church, it has changed me and I'm just laying it all out. And whenever Brother Moore turned to me and said what he said, and when Bishop said something publicly, which Bishop never does this type of, hey, God's doing something, it had my attention. And so that is how we got to where we're at today. It was, I dare say, submission, the dirty word that people don't like to talk about, and being content doing God's will. Yes. And I'll pause there. Bishop, if you have any comments? No, you're, you're doing great. You're, you're touching my heart right now, but that's, you're doing great. Go ahead. So as we go into this opportunity, I didn't realize, looking back now, and I am totally shooting off the hip, so you don't have, you're having the, the raw conversation about what God is doing uh, for my family and for me and, and my walk with God. But as we get to this stage and, and, you know, we start to see that God's doing something, my response was, and I told Bishop and everybody involved that had been in contact with me, 
I'll pray about it. I will try the door. I will see if it, what God does, if he opens the door, and we'll go from there. And Bishop says, all right, I'm praying with you. And we'll let them know. And so I reached out and said, listen, I'll, I'll give it. Um, I guess I'll say it this way. I'll, I'll let, you know, see if God's will is, is in this, and we'll just try the door. I'll give you that. I don't feel the direction either way. And there was a time when I was kneeling down in prayer, and Bishop said, hey, give us some time. I fasted and prayed, went through that time period, did not get an answer. And I was kneeling down in my office, and I'm like, well, I guess it's a no. I feel absolutely nothing. And I accepted that. And I even messaged Bishop and said, I feel like, I guess it's a no. I'm not feeling a direction. And that's it. However, prior to me messaging Bishop and telling him what I felt, I sat down and God put a dream back in my mind. I hadn't thought of this dream in a very long time. I didn't know a time reference. But I said, Bishop, as soon as I sat down and I said, God, if it's not your will, I guess I'm done. I'm not committed to it. I won't go. And, and this dream popped in my heart. And I said, whoa, I haven't. I'm not a dreamer. Uh, this is just not my thing. And I, I told him about the dream. And he says, I'm not sure if I've ever told you this. He goes, but it was from God. And so I had a habit. Uh, whether or not he appreciated the habit, because I probably sent him some pizza dreams. But every time I had a dream, I would write it down. Didn't matter day or night what it was, three o'clock in the morning. I got up, prayed, and wrote down the dream and sent to Bishop, and I left it. I didn't go into details. I didn't dwell on it. I said, I'll pray about it. And he said he'd help me pray. And so he said, hey, that dream you told me about, it was from God. And I said, all right, I guess that changes everything. And so we begin to talk about the dream. He says, I'll refresh my memory. I'll pray about it. So we had a conversation. And the dream, I won't go into details, but it was almost verbatim of the situation in Jackson, Tennessee. Very uncanny. The details, everything was precise. And so I said, all right, I'll go. And so we went and had one of our first services here to come, as you would say, try out, feel it out. Um, come visit the city, and uh, and it was really whirlwind trips. We were coming in um, on either a Saturday morning or a Friday night, leaving back out, taking vacation time to get back to work on Monday. It was really just time spent studying, praying in the church. Didn't get a chance to really see, you know, much of what was going on. That first invitation, when I got the call, if I may step back, I, I feel like this detail is relevant. The first invitation where it set, I'm sorry, where, where I got the invitation to come, there were months and months in between. The, the nothing moved. I, I basically had said, well, I guess it's not meant to be. We're not getting any feedback from the church in Jackson. None of the elders have called. And I remember the service, I knelt down and I said, it was during one of Brother Herring's messages, I knelt down and said, God, I haven't heard anything. It's in your hands. Well, Elder Herring came up and he said, Brother Goff, you need to leave that situation in God's hands. And when I did, I got up, I literally left it on the altar. And it was, I think, the next day or two, that's when they called and they said, we want you to come and preach and fill it out for the first time. So 
as I am preparing for this, agreeing to it, reaching out to Bishop, keeping him in the loop on what's going on, I'm reminded of the dream again. And I open it up, and it's one year from the day that I had the dream. Exactly one year, they said, come, and we want you to preach. And I'm like, okay, this has got my attention. Obviously, this is more than just a pizza dream. Bishop feels like God's in it. The details, you can't make it up. And then we just proceed, and we start to come and uh, preach a couple services on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. I didn't feel anything. It was bone dry, felt absolutely nothing, didn't have a confirmation. And so I talked to Bishop and I said, it just, I felt nothing. I didn't feel like God was saying, you're the man, didn't get the tap. And so we agreed to have me come back and say, let's do another weekend back to back. And all the while we're like, man, people back home are going to figure this out. Like, we're back-to-back out preaching. Brother Golf doesn't go out and preach that often. And so we're like, it's regardless, I said, we're doing it. We're going back-to-back. And so we went back the following weekend. And guess what? Sunday morning, same thing. Sunday night, same thing. Now, God used me. God gave me a message. I felt a deep prayer. I felt the move of God, but I did not feel the confirmation. And it was at the end of the Sunday night service Again, I knelt down and said, God, I don't have that confirmation. I guess it's a no. And I got up and I walked to the pulpit and the Holy Ghost fell. And I said, there's my confirmation. It wasn't how I was expecting it, but I didn't have to say anything. God's presence just filled the house. And I said, okay, let's see how far this goes but I feel like this is the confirmation. I go to bed, wake up the next morning in the hotel around five o'clock, and again, I can count on one hand how many times this has happened, but God gave me a vision. And in that vision was very detailed. And in this, God was showing me word for word as he began to speak them out loud to me, the words were highlighted on the page and begin to scroll down in front of me how I have a church in West Tennessee, and that's where you're supposed to be. A very, very clear vision. At the end of it, at the end of the vision, it scrolled down and showed me a picture of a woman. It was a middle-aged black woman sitting there in a professional setting, posed for a picture, and it stopped there, didn't give me a name, and it stopped, and then scrolled down and showed me some other things that I couldn't understand the detail on, and it stopped. And I was sitting there in bed, well aware of the setting, and I reached over and touched Sister Golf, and I said, Honey, I just had a vision. And she woke up, and she says, I just had a dream. And it was not, she didn't see what I saw. She saw something else, and it was, you're supposed to go to Jackson. And so I wrote everything up, customary as I normally do, sent it to Bishop and say, last night didn't go as well, but God's presence came in and confirmed. But this morning, something was different. And God gave me a vision. And we had some conversation about some of the details. And in the dream, there's some things that I have shared with the church, very little of all the details, but 
there has been something in the first dream I had that was a year to the date before I went. God showed me a list of names, and I believe it's revival. Yes. After some things were handled and taken care of in the dream, it just name after name after name began to scroll in front of me. And the only feeling I had was, they're all clean. And God, as soon as I came from the dream, it was God just confirming that's what revival is going to look like. And so that was the confirmation. It wasn't, hey, this is a great opportunity. Because I'll tell you, this church was wide open for months on end, and no one would touch it. It wasn't self-sufficient. It didn't have a fancy parsonage. Nothing was there. Everybody said, yeah, I heard there was a church that was open, and no one would touch it. There wasn't a line of men. But I had a dream. And God opened the door, and I walked through it. And here we are today, and there's so many small details down from, and I don't even know a time reference, how far we are into this, but I'll stop here in a moment. But it's just been thing after thing where God has opened the door. There has been no resistance whatsoever. And it's just been absolutely amazing from just people helping random strangers coming in and talking and helping and my boss just being my advocate and just unbelievable support from the right people. When I question, we just went through a merger. Why am I back reporting to this person? Guess what? Now I know. I know. Now he's, he's my advocate. He's the one in my corner willing to go to bat and talk to people that have no idea who I am. And guess what? I pray and I pray for him, talk to Bishop about it. And they're in lockstep. It's like God is using this man to help out, no matter the outcome. And when I sat down with my boss, I said, listen, I, I have to tell you something. You're going to have a conversation with an employee you've never had before, and you probably never will again. And I laid it out. I didn't hold back. I didn't tell him details about the dream, but I told him I had a dream. And he sat there in just awe about how someone would just walk away and say, I don't care what it costs with or without the railroad, I'm going to Jackson. And I've burned almost all of my vacation time. I've done everything I can to stay where I don't put anything in jeopardy, and I'm just letting God work it out because I'm really willing to lay it all out. And I don't care. I'm 44, turned 44 last week. I'm laying it all out. I don't care. I only have one shot, and I want to do God's will because I know there's children that are in my house watching and they get to see everything, how I handle things. And what I did was I said, children, we're praying about a situation. And as they went to youth camp this last year, I sat there knowing things they did not know, knowing that we were getting ready to go preach. And it was like Elder Ham or the Sam Ham stood up and preached message after message. And it was like it was custom made for children that were getting ready to go walk away from all they knew and go help a church. And it changed my children. It totally changed them, that service, those services at youth camp. And as we drove away, I said, okay, now there's something you need to know. Here in a few days, we're going to be going to Jackson, Tennessee. And they all sat there and said, now we know. We know every message 
was made just for us. See, that's what a God will do. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, God loves us that much that he's willing in the midst of hundreds of people have a message that'll just speak. And it, you would not believe the difference it made in my children. Xander, we've talked about it in years past. All I want to do is behind the scenes. Guess what? Xander got up and started playing the drums without knowing how to play, and he's just trying to keep a beat. When we first went, he's like, I hope they have a projector because that's all I want to do. He walks in, and one service, he sat there with all the other children on the platform doing something, and it changed him. He says, I'm not going to be that. And he sat there and struggled through a service playing the drums and missing the beat, but he was willing to try. And I'm like, God, you are touching my children, my family. Yeah. And I can't, I, it's all because of things that happened in Olathe and ministry and sacrifices that made the difference in my family where we'd be able to do something like this. And it's just amazing what God has done. I, there is a funny story, I'll say it. It may not be the right time, but while it's in my head and I have no notes, which is unlike me, um, we get to Jackson. We have been packing and moving on the hottest days of the summer. We get to Jackson and it's the hottest days to unpack. Unbelievably hot. The humidity, it's just unreal. And I'm not saying that being from um, Kansas going to Tennessee. I'm talking like the native people from Tennessee are saying this is unbearable. And so we get there, we get unpacked, we're absolutely wiped out. And all of a sudden I get a phone call and it's, hey, we're having revival services in a nearby church. Won't you come be visit with us? We're having Brother Sam Ham. And I'm like, I've got to go. And so we went, and we were able to see him, and he saw us, and uh, greeted the children. And I, I explained to him, said, listen, you'll never know the impact of your services. We just, just two days ago, went to a, a, a city to pastor, and your messages at youth camp made a difference. And so it was a great opportunity to kind of just tie that all together and see how God orchestrated all things but it was a funny story. You know, typical kids, they're there to embarrass you, right? So Xander, Kaiser, Janessa, and London, we're all there at the service. Sister Golf is back with her mother trying to unpack to get us a place to sleep. We said we're going to revival services. We went that Friday night. And after service, there was fellowship, preacher's kids, hanging around preacher's kids. And I would expect this from Xander, but it came from Kaiser. All the preacher's kids were around, and Kaiser's talking to them, and I'm um, hearing this after the fact. I wasn't there when it happened. But he goes and he tells these kids, they're introducing themselves, and they're, you know, just cutting up. It seemed like, the, you know, they connected really well. And Kaiser goes, yeah, you guys have that, you guys have summer teeth. And they're like, summer teeth? He's like, yeah, you guys have those summer teeth. And they're like, puzzled look on their face. He's like, yeah, some are there, some are missing. And I'm like, Kaiser, you've just met these people. You can't talk like that. I was dying. I was just mortified. As a parent, I'm like, there goes my kids embarrassing me. And uh, I was dying laughing. I was like, you can't do that. You can't. We only get one chance to make an impression. And here we are, first service in Tennessee outside of the home. And you're talking to these kids about summer teeth. And I was dying. I was like, I can't believe you just said that. But we've 
we've settled in really well, and God has just kept his hand of protection upon us. And it's just been door after door. And I'll say this, and I'll stop, Bishop. We were calling about a house, and we explained the situation to the real estate agent. And she says, well, you need to call this lady that's local. She might be able to help you. And so I call her and said, listen, you know, I'm working with Rocket Mortgage. They're needing some you know, documentation from my employer, you know, stating how I can you know, maintain you know, employment in Jackson, Tennessee. And, uh, and she's like, okay, she goes, we can help you with this. And so she begins to, ex she goes, explain your situation. And uh, I give her all the details. And she says, you know what? I know exactly what you're going through. She says, my dad's a preacher and I'm a preacher's kid. And she goes, I can help you. And I'll go to bat for you. And I'll go to the committee and I'll make an exception request and we'll see if we can make this happen. And I sat there and I'm like, you know, things like that just don't happen by accident. Wow. And sure enough, she calls back a few days later, said, you're approved. We'll give you a loan. Now that doesn't mean with a house, doesn't mean all that's come in place, but God's, we're just taking it one step at a time. And there's been other things that has happened when we were, I'll just step back. When we were here at the church, the second service, and we hadn't, you know, been decided that we were coming, uh, there was an elder in the church that walked up and says, you know, I used to know a brother and sister Goff from years back. He goes, we used to go to church services together. And I said, was it James and Rosemary Goff? And he said, yeah, yeah, they're out of Kansas City somewhere. I said, in Bonner Springs. He said, that's exactly who they are. And I said, well, that's my grandparents. He goes, I know them from way, way back. And there are so many connections that I could give that just seems like it's God has orchestrated everything and brought it together. It's not going to be easy, but I had a dream. Yes. And I have a blessing, and I'm willing to lay it all out. Yes. And I'll stop there, Bishop. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, you know, one thing that I just want to emphasize to everybody, you mentioned that there were months in in this process i just went back and checked i don't even know if you are aware of this because i don't remember at this point how much i told you but i first found out about the church in jackson tennessee being open in january of this year and there was a man that at that time was in charge he was the one that was deciding who was going to come and preach and who wasn't and I know the man distantly. We're not close friends, but I, he knows me. I know him. It's, it's one of those things. And I just checked my phone. I sent him a text because the minute I found out about it, I felt in my spirit, this may very well be the opportunity that God's been preparing us for. Again, not that I wanted to. I, I didn't want to lose. The last thing I wanted was to lose Brother Goff. Well, not the last thing. The next to the last thing. The last thing I wanted was to disobey God. So uh, that I knew that God was already dealing. And so I reached out to this man. In fact, this was on January 23rd, the day after my birthday, uh, that I reached out to him and, and said, hey, what's the deal? How are you going to handle this? And... Uh, he told me some things about the church and he said, we'll get back with you. And then he never did. And it was months that we heard absolutely nothing. 
Now, it just so happened, you mentioned the elder that came to you, but there's another man in the church there that's a retired preacher that I've known for years. And he was reaching out to me. In fact, he used to pastor. When he pastored, I was on his board of elders. Um, and so because of that, I've continued to be a, a counselor to him of sorts. And, and he was attending that church. And when that church came open, he's the one that let me know that it's open. And I began to talk to him then about Brother Goff. And um, he told me, in fact, at one point, and this was, this was before anybody made any contact with Brother Goff. But this man told me, he said, I had the strangest experience. He said, I went into the church and he said, I heard a voice. He said, I don't even know, Brother Goff, but I heard a voice praying in this church. And he said, I knew in my heart it was Brother Goff. And two or three times through the process, when it looked like they were not going to contact you, it looked like they were not going to do anything about it, um, he, he would send me a text and say, you know, I remember going in the church and hearing that voice, and I just believe he's the man. And we just kept hanging on and kept trusting. And so that was in January that that all started. And he's, he's only been there now a couple of weeks. Here we are in September. And so you can see that this was not an overnight thing. But in a way, it was almost overnight that once the ball started to roll. Now, there was that period where they, they wouldn't really get back and give you a, a direct answer. Um, and, and so we, again, we were kind of left hanging, not knowing what was going on. But, but I, I will say this to everybody, that throughout this process, Brother Goff honestly remained so submitted and, and just really left it entirely up to me that if at any point I did not feel good about it, all I had to do was tell him no. Um, in fact, I think he and I discussed at one point another dream that he'd had. I don't think this was the same one, but he'd had one dream uh, that didn't look like it was connected in any way. And I said, you know, let's, let's talk about a few points of that dream and, and we, I said, you know, there may be another way to look at the interpretation of this dream beyond what we've been looking at and began to share with him how that it very possibly could be connected to the church in Jackson. And so he's been totally, totally submitted throughout this process. And I'm so excited about, I get the opportunity. It is coming up on October. October the what's the date for the installation the 7th it's the 7th October the 7th at one o'clock that's a Saturday one o'clock in the afternoon I'm so honored I'm so excited about getting the opportunity to go and preach that installation service for brother Goff and for his family and again I hate to lose them I wish they were here but I am so happy for them I am so thrilled because I am convinced God's going to do some great things in Jackson, Tennessee. And, you know, again, to go to Connections, Brother Johnny Burgess, as most of you know, is one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend. 
Brother Burgess, it turns out, was a close personal friend with one of the previous pastors of this church and actually did work on that building and, and was involved in the early days of that church many years ago. And so he's got a history with that church. So it's just, there are so many things that God, it seems like, has been putting together, even through the years, to bring all of this about. Uh, just like Brother Goff mentioned with this elder knowing his grandparents from years ago, God would bring them together for such a time as this. Look, this is the way God works. God, nothing happens by by accident in God's economy. God is planning. You know, I used to hear him talk about former president, you know, that, that, that his, his real loyal followers would say, yeah, everybody else is playing chess. He's playing 3D chess. You know, that's, that's what they'd always say. He's, he's on another level. Well, I want to tell you, God's playing about 6D chess. I mean, God's, God's got this thing figured out on so many levels that he's working things all around making everything come together exactly the way he wants it to come together. So when the time is right, he just wraps it all up in a beautiful little bow and says, here it is. And it all just comes together exactly the way he wanted it to in the beginning. You know, you think about Moses. Moses is going to be the one to lead the children of Israel. So what does he do? He allows Pharaoh to, 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 threatened to kill all of the babies that puts Moses in the river he sends Pharaoh's daughter down that very morning to that very spot to find this baby allows Moses to be raised in Pharaoh's house puts puts the yes. uh, Moses sister there to run back and get mama so mama gets hired to nurse Moses and raise him while he's being raised in Pharaoh's house i, I mean you think about all the things that God did to prepare a man. Now, all of this happened at Moses' birth. At 40, he flees Egypt. He doesn't come back until he's 80. This was 80 years in the making. You ever thought about that? 80 years ahead of time, God was working details for what he was going to do. It's just amazing to stop and consider how God works and how God just plans things out. And I'm telling you, I believe if God ever planned anything out, he planned to put the Goff family in Jackson, Tennessee. And God has worked all of those details and brought it about. And we're thrilled about it. Yes, sir. You know, you said something about Moses you know, there's all those details, and God is very detailed. And it's easy for us as people to get hung up in details that really don't matter. And what it comes down to, we can get hung up in preferences. Yes. But God deals with promises. And our preferences will keep us from God's promise. Yes. Absolutely. Preach on that a while. <laughs> <laughs> No, Brother Hilton hasn't said a word here. I've had to talk about myself. And Brother Hilton has been over there just totally content, you know, having to do anything. If I have to talk about myself, Brother Hilton needs to say something. Yes, he does. In fact, he told me he had a question for you. I do. Oh, no. You're going to have to remind me. I don't remember. You told me that you were the first question you were going to ask him was about the name of the church. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. So, Brother Goff, when are you going to change yes, it to sir. the Truth Church of Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you move that piano one inch at a time, yes, brother. Right. One inch at a time. <laughs> Seems like I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> That's right. You know, but it, the name of the church is Faith Apostolic Church. It's been around for a long time. And one of the things that's happened, a former pastor had just kind of changed it to FAC, which didn't um, set well with a lot of the folks that are there. And so we're trying to establish back Faith Apostolic because there's actually been people in the community who said, so what went into your guys' old building? And when a community, that means you lost touch with your community. Yes. Yeah, you got a trendy name but you lost touch. And so we've all talked. And so we're trying to work that out. Um, and so, you know, on our church sign, it says FAC. It doesn't say anything about apostolic. It doesn't say anything else. And uh, it's definitely got attention to the community. And so we're trying to help with that. So that's been the, the focus at this point. Um, however, I did, it's not because of I wanted to, but we had to. Now I had to, the organ was on one side of the platform. And I, if you know me, I love an organ. I love, you give me a B3 organ and I have gone to heaven. I can't play a lick, but I love to hear an yes. organ. Well, we have a B3 organ. However, it's got some issues. So we had to move it. So I had to, I, you know, everybody say, hey, don't make any major changes. Well, the organ broke. So we had to move it from one side of the platform to the other and then bring in another organ. So it's like I just broke every rule everybody said. I literally traversed in one service <laughs> organs on the other side of the platform. So, well, but everybody's understanding. It had to do that. Your response was is is purely indicative of your character and uh, about just moving one inch at a time. And I I was joking with Pastor when I mentioned that, um, but I will make a couple of observations if I can. As you were just telling that story, it was reminding me of how careful you are and uh how much of an example and you were telling and talking about how how you've noticed a change in xander and, and some of your other children how they were impacted by this move and how you see god's hand working in their life and that's all because of, of your example and how god has used you and demonstrated his hand upon you in in your family's life but it goes brother Goff. it goes beyond just the impact the direct impact of your family but your spiritual family back here in Olathe, you've had a tremendous, I can't even measure the impact that you've had on, on, uh, on me. And I just want to say thank you for being obedient to the, the will of God and, um, and, and submitting yourself to Pastor Riggin and, and showing, showing what it's like to, to work with all of your heart yet remain submitted um, and you've demonstrated already in the transition to, to Jackson how you uh, began to work and you've given all your vacation time. You've, you've bent over backwards, nearly done a, a, a backflip <laughs> trying to make this work. And um, all the while, every step of the way, you're not taking consideration for yourself, but, um, but the will of God is, was the preeminent thing. You know, every time, one observation I had while you're telling the story was, Every time you were think, getting ready to walk away, this is a no. This must be a no. I'm not seeing the proper signs. And God would come through with one more confirmation, a dream, a vision at one point, and a word from um, leadership, your spiritual authority. And that's just the way God operates. And 
that's just one more lesson I've taken away from, from just watching you and watching God's hand on your life. And, um, and th- so just thank you for, for being that example and being, being a friend and being a part of the true church of Aletha. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what, what a lot of people don't know, especially our, our listeners, I think maybe the, the folks here at the Truth Church may know this, but Brother Goff came to us. He, he has pastored before. Yeah. And so it would have been very easy for him to, to be in the church here telling me how things ought to be done, <laughs> criticizing the way I ran things because, you know, he's a man that's been there. And, and and has got some experience under his belt. And and I've seen a lot of men that, that have that kind of attitude. But Brother Goff was never that way. And I never felt never felt threatened. I never even felt challenged as far as as anything. I knew that if I told him, if I told him to quit his job and go sell peanut brittle for a living, he would have done it. He'd have just found a way to do it. I just I knew that about Brother Goff. And, and you know, that humbles me, and, and it makes me that much more careful yeah. about what I say because I know that here's a man that really is fully submitted. And, and I'm telling you, it is the law of the harvest that you'll reap what you sow. And the kind of submission and obedience that you have, have lived and practiced at the Truth Church, you're going to reap that in the people God gives you in Jackson, Tennessee. It's it, you're going to be rewarded for the way that you've handled your years here and this time of transition for you. God is going to honor that, and He's going to pay you back a hundredfold. Yes, sir. Well, I, I've. I don't want your hands to come off of my ministry. We may be, you know, eight and a half, nine hours away, but please don't ever take your hands off my ministry. I want your hands on my ministry, my family. Um, I need that, that covering. And that's the only reason why I want to do this, knowing that I have a covering. And um, you have my best interests. Working and, you know, with, with you side by side for so many years, it's been a pleasure. And it really has. And I've had people say, you know, why are you guys at church all the time? You guys don't understand. This is my life. Yes. I don't, I'm not complaining. You know, this is just the way it is. And this is what I want it to be. I remember seeing a family member that they were at church almost every night. And um, I remember as a young child around 13 years old saying, that's what I want. Uh-huh. And God's answered that prayer. He truly has. Thank God. Thank God. Well, it's been a wonderful interview. I appreciate you doing it. I knew when I told Brother Hilton this is what I wanted to do, I knew you were going to be extremely uncomfortable doing this. But I just felt like that there were so many powerful lessons in this story. And I I just felt like it would be a great benefit to our church and to our listeners to hear this. And maybe we're, uh, you know, I know that there are preachers that listen to this podcast because I've had a number of them come to me and talk to me about it. And, And maybe if for nothing else, maybe this has helped some of them to remember to allow their man of God to keep his hands on their life. And... And, and 
to follow in this example and to watch God let it unfold. And maybe even some young preacher that's sitting under their pastor right now and they're feeling that itch and they're wanting to go do something. And, and, and you know, it's just good for them to realize and recognize that, hey, the best thing you can do is serve the man of God in your life. Be an Elisha who years after Elijah was dead was still known as the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. That was still the title by which he was known because he was so apt at doing that. He was so given to doing that and filling that role in his life. And I've often said that before you can ever part the waters as Elisha did, you have to spend years pouring water as Elisha did. That's just the way that it works. And Brother Goff, you've done that, and it's time now to part some waters of your own. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing those stories. So thank you for doing yes, this. Yes, sir. Thank you for being willing to talk <laughs> about yourself. Uh, I do believe, I think that the Truth Church can kind of let Brother Goff know you appreciate him doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very much appreciated. And we didn't know how long this would go. We've got three minutes and, and our, our hour will be up. Uh, I had told them that I might talk about the Israel trip. We'll plan that for another podcast. Maybe next month's podcast we'll talk about the Israel trip because we're kind of running, you know, we're, we're getting up towards the, the end of the year and they're going to have to make up their mind if they're going with us. There's only a few slots left open. The Goffs are going with us. Brother and Sister Goff are going uh, their daughter, Janessa, is going. Um, we're going to have a great time on that trip, but we'll put that off to another time. I think this has been a very beneficial podcast, and I really, really appreciate your input, appreciate what you're doing, and you continue to be in my daily prayers. Thank you, Bishop. I appreciate it so much. It means a lot. It really does. And Are there any other comments before we close out? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say that as much as we can, we're going to continue to connect him and let his golden voice introduce us and close us out. <laughs> Every opportunity we get, we're going to bring him in there. So for those that are wondering, what's going to happen to face the truth? Well, as long as we can keep twisting his arm and he's available, we're going to keep using that voice. So that's that submission out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no. I think that's it. If there's no other comments, I think we're, I think we're ready for that. The, the closing music to begin and the golden voice to take us out of here. All right. Thank you, Bishop Riggin, and thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's Face the Truth Live event. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olaythetruth.com. That's prayer at olaythetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area and do not have a home church, we invite you to join us for our services this week, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 6 p.m., Tuesday evening at 7.30 p.m. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olaythetruth.com forward slash live. Until our next Face the Truth live event, take care and God bless.